Hey guys, welcome to episode 173 with my fantastic guest, Jessica Marazin. I wanted to say Jessica Marzipan uh, because that is something that she implanted into my brain. And uh, now I fear that I'm not saying her last name right in real life, even though uh, we were instant friends and I can't wait to hang out with her. I think you guys are going to feel the same way if you don't already know who she is and what she does. And I will say that she was a suggestion from a few different listeners. um, And you guys really hit the nail on the head. I just got on with her like a house on fire. As I've said in the past, I don't know why that saying exists. It's very grim. Uh, uh, Listen, guys, I am uh, recording this from a a hotel in New York City. I am here for the Comic-Con here. I'm here with the Work Juice players. I cannot wait to do some shows. I also will be doing signings and panels at the con. And uh, you can check out our Work Juice schedule for all of that stuff except for one thing, which is that on Friday I won't be doing Work Juice stuff until we do our show at night. But I will be at the Courtyard booth, which I think is booth 666, believe it or not, somewhere in the 700 range. Um, uh, They are kind enough to host me for a couple of hours there from 11 to 2, where I will be able to hopefully see more people and hang out and talk. It's a little less formal than a table signing, so um, I'm super excited to do that. So if you have a chance on Friday, please come say hi. Uh, I'm very glad that that worked out, and I'll have a little more time to spend with people on Friday. Um, Please also come to see shows. at night, we're doing an improv show. We're doing two Sparks Nevada shows. We're doing two um, Beyond Belief shows. It's going to be a blast. Uh, for those of you who aren't here, you know what? I wish you were. Uh, guys, I'm going to throw up a bunch of shout outs because I'm trying to get caught up even though I'm out of town uh, because I so appreciate the correspondence that I've had with you fabulous and wonderful janitors. Uh, I want to thank Allison, Greg, Irwin, Christine, Todd, Roald, and Anthony for your posts on the JV Club Facebook page. David, thank you so much for the new MASH category idea. Spoiler alert, I did use it. I have already used it. Not in this episode, but I have used it. Uh, Megan, Andrew, Louisa, Lauren, Samantha, Connie, Gail, thank you for your Facebook messages. Fabian, thank you for your email. Joe, thanks for yours about the Dana Gould episode. Holly, thanks for the great guest suggestions. Uh, And Claire, Victoria, and Casey, uh, thank you so much for your emails, guys. Please enjoy this episode. Uh, Jessica is uh, one of a kind. She's so terrific. And uh, hopefully I'll see some of you in the next couple of days here in New York. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. What is that like a Doppler effect? If it's like a yeah, that's very Grover Sesame Street. Like, oh far. Is that what Grover sounds like? I don't remember what Grover sounds like now. He's I, he's Frank Oz, so I think it's like in the oh, it's in the Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Yoda. Fozzie. Yo, it's in the yeah. Yoda. I would say he sounds the most like Yoda. Yoda. This is like I can't talk about pop culture stuff without feeling like it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. Why? He, because he was the first one that I really noticed, like, I can't even remember what it was. It was like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction or something, where um, there are these deep, long conversations about, like, 
I guess Stand By Me did it too when they talked about what Goofy is. Okay. But for some reason, the Quentin Tarantino sticks out to me as like, oh, we're going to have a very serious conversation about, you know, mm. what Grover's voice sounds like. <laughs> and then we'll go like shoot someone. Um, right, right. No, but, that's uh, true. But yeah, no, Grover, I think sounds, yeah, sounds a lot like Yoda. Mm-hmm. I he, can he, see he it. No, now that you've said it, it's, yeah. that's exactly what Frank Oz, come on. I know. I don't think he does those voices on the new Muppet Show when I haven't seen the new Muppet Show yet. I watched... Literally, I I just finished my binge of uh, of Modern Family, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Time to watch something new." My husband won't watch Grey's Anatomy with me, so let's find a show <laughs> we can watch together. Yeah. And the show starts out, and Ugh. Kermit is like, "It's really hard being executive producer on a show that stars your ex." And I was like, "Nope, I won't. Uh, I can't. I so can't." It got real kind of meta and history. I, I cannot get over that. And I it. Or, or or maybe I'm misinterpreting. Maybe you can't get over the fact that Kermit and Piggy aren't together. Well, just like just the the both. I think uh-huh. I think I was like, no, Kermit is a very specific character to me. It's not even that he and Miss Piggy need to be together, but there needs to be not a sense of urgent running away and and oh, we're not going to work together. This is awkward. And that's fighting. what it kind of ended up being. Almost. And I was like, no. So I stopped. And I just, I am such a Muppet person. I cried the first time I met uh, met Brian Henson, yeah. which was awkward because I think it was at a party that you were throwing. Oh, yeah. Up at Sketchfest? It was, no, no, no. It was oh, for... Um, oh, it was for Neil's Puppet Dreams maybe or something? Yes, it was for Neil's Puppet yeah. Dreams. And, I'm, and um, Seth Lauderman introduced me to Brian Henson. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. Can we I please know. just talk you know, about... He lives right up the street. We could stalk him. Oh, God. Don't even. I know. I will. I no, mean, I won't, but I will. No. I, <laughs> I have, I'm have to take you up. No, I have I, people listen, that I, I want to be best way. friends with, and he's one of I them. I feel the same way, and I, I will immediately name drop and say that I do consider Dave Goals a friend now, who does the voice of Gonzo, among no. others, because he's a Bay Area person, and over time... It's been one of those like trepidatious, same with, I'm sure how you would feel. It's like, well, first of all, this is very, um, this is probably very uh, snooty of me, but I, I feel like I've, I, I'm not saying career wise, I deserve it, but emotionally, I do feel I deserve to be friends with him. So it's not like I'm like, you're, I'm inferior to you in every way. Because he feels like a dad figure, mm-hmm. so that sort of crosses the border where you're not just like, oh my God, you're Clive Owen, or whatever. I mean, whoever right. sort of has that, especially since, you know, you grow up hearing the voice, but it's not like you've been staring at the face the whole time, so there right. isn't like the starstruckness of in that way. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't want to like be this gross person who's like, I can't believe I'm friends with you right now, even though that is sort of how I feel. And you hold it down. I hold it down, and so I'm supposed to go visit that set and like have lunch with him and i'm i i'm gonna get totally emotional i cried when i the song that we the, i the first thing that we recorded for um neil's pepper dreams or at least the first thing that we released right was the song that i wrote and hearing brian henson sing <sighs> words from my brain i had to go outside and cry like yeah. cry not like i had a tear trickle down my cheek i i had excused myself went out into the parking lot and was like i gotta get it together i know that's exactly how that's no no one that i that is beloved to me has seen me freak out i'll do something clever where i'll like go stand next to one of those like outdoor furnace things uh-huh. and just be like oh my face is so hot uh-huh. oh, gross. <laughs> 
oh, how did that happen? Uh, but no. Good hiding, though. Yeah. I'm really bad at even that. Like, I can't break through to a logical point where it makes sense to go conceal it in some other way. I'm just like, I think that I'm just, I think I'm just like a sociopath. Oh, and I'm interesting. Like, no. Well, I obviously know. I mean, if you're a sociopath, yeah, wouldn't have you wouldn't have emotions. Yeah. But in that, like, I have to hide this and push this down and make up an elaborate lie. Like, lying comes <laughs> way too easy for me. I'm just like, oh, my cat died. Sorry, cat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Good so. lying. I hope have so. Have always been like that? I think I, I think I have always been like that. Mm-hmm. I've always been a casual liar. Uh-huh. And I, th- I like to think that it comes from a, a whole background in history of performing and wanting to make people laugh and hiding my own feelings. But my husband is just like, no, I think that you're just, I think there's just something wrong with you. And I'm like, Oh, but I'm so good at coming up with casual (laughs) excuses. Like what I, one of my friends, we were getting lunch and she was like, Oh, I've got to leave because I have to go take my car to get fixed. And I was like, or I can just call the dealership and make up an elaborate lie for you. And then you don't have to leave. And she's like, no, that's okay. And I was like, no, really, I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Please let me. Please let me. This is what I do. This is my thing. Well, okay. I got a lot of things I want to say about this. First of all, I enjoy very much that you are revealing this. Second of all, (laughs) uh, how much is your husband privy to? Because I am interested in those parts of like intimate relationships, especially because I, I spent so much time in relationships and then finally kind of it took me a long time to just not be in a relationship Mm -hmm. for a while. And the difference between what my behavior is like and my own attention to it when I'm by myself versus when I'm kind of have a mirror, right. Or something reflecting back what mood I'm in or anything. Um, I really understand how people like my mom, for example, have gotten so kooky by being by themselves because no one is keeping them in check. Right. And I think that was a thing that I realized quickly. And I, I, I do love, intimate relationship things like that where it's like he's seeing he's potentially seeing more than anybody else right these little lies that you're scattering along the way so is he so how much of that is he privy to well, like he, are you pretty honest with him about it i think i i mostly am unless i'm lying to him about something <laughs> where i'm like oh i was so hoping you would say that i have a work dinner so i can't actually i'm having karaoke night with some uh, friends and uh-huh. i just didn't want because i knew you wouldn't want to come but i also didn't want you to feel left out so here's a big lie about it uh but i've i've known him for 10 years and mm-hmm. we've been together most of the, that time uh we met my very first night at college um in the bay area because the bay area is awesome yes it is um, where'd you go to school berkeley oh great. so we, i wanted to go to berkeley i love it it's and i couldn't afford berkeley ugh, i got I, in and i couldn't afford it isn't that sad i can't afford it even still yeah. i have pushed my loans off so long that now they're like you can't do it anymore and i'm like fine so i paid my first loan payment like last and i'm like too old to not be paying loans. So it's really yeah. sad. I'm like, okay, I just have to do this. I know this. you're not the only one though. And, and I get like this seed of resentment where I'm like, my brain is so expensive and I've thrown <laughs> it in the trash. <laughs> yes. Why am I not? I, I, I was watching some Walt Disney uh, documentary, like some five hour thing on PBS, probably hosted by Ken Burns. Uh-huh. And it's like 
it's like, oh, and by the age of 30, he had 50 mansions and he had his own studio of people who resented him. And then Steve Jobs, same thing, like 28. And he's like super like changing the world. I've, I've been watching this, um, this TV show on Netflix about Pablo Escobar, mm-hmm. the like crazy drug lord from Colombia. Yeah. What's that one? What's that called? I keep it's called Narcos. Is Narcos. it good? Yeah. It's really good. Okay, but okay, at the I same delved into that. I had this moment where it Even was like as a drug dealer at like, age 28, he owned most of it. And I was like, Oh my God, everyone's so successful. <laughs> everyone, everyone. <laughs> They're so well, successful. It's tricky though. I mean, number one, boy, I really get it about the student loans. And if I, I would have, I think I could have maybe benefited from a better education and been more consistent and maybe showed up for my education if I had taken out loans and mm-hmm. really was going to like a super amazing school, all due respect to SSD and NAU where I did go. But I really, I like grew up with like a crippling fear of debt, I think. And not because I saw, yeah. my parents are very frugal, not in an obnoxious way, but they just had to be because we had no money. But I didn't, it's not like I saw something bad happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I just, it was so instilled in me that I was like, I'm never going to be able to pay this back. Not if I'm an actor, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I wish that I, you know, when people say that they went to schools that I applied to, got into, and then chose not to go to, I still feel envious. Oh. Like, oh, that, that would have been so cool. That's like, it's the opposite with me because I specifically wanted to be an actor. Um, I wanted to perform and my mom was like, you need to go to school and get a respectable job because I can't afford to pay for everything by myself. So then I went and got a degree in anthropology and had this giant amount of debt. Cause then I went to grad school in England and I was like, I'm going to go study abroad cause I yeah. didn't get to. And so, so then I, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. Once I finish paying it off, if I had just gone and waited tables or continued working at the apple farm that i was working at when i was in high school and then just tried to become an actor who knows what would have happened but probably i wouldn't have this much debt and so i think it's it's one of those things where and now i can't justify like quitting and and trying to act now because i'm like nope i've got way too much debt so maybe you were onto something actually when you did that Ugh, and i don't know what the answer is the grass is always greener i think thing. it is the grass is always green now what I apologize for, and this will happen a million more times in this podcast, is that all the tangential stuff that I can't, I have to like clomp down on, clamp, clomp down on, I'm not a Clydesdale, clamp down on, <laughs> grab, snatch, whatever, uh, before I lose my train of thought. But that means that I then uh, deteriorate whatever through line that we were on. But I do remember we were talking about lying, you knowing your husband, yes. the fact that you knew each other at Berkeley. And then I think we're, I think that sort of loops us back to where we I'm were. I'm not going to be helpful okay, with good. this at all <laughs> okay, because good. I'm, I'm like one of those puppy dogs who's, who's tied to a tree and then just runs <laughs> around until I choke myself. That's the best image I can think of. I completely relate to that. Yeah. I just that run around until, watch. I, until I choke myself yeah. and then I unravel myself eventually. Yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. I can't believe I was able to trace that back. I think I was just... You're just fascinating enough that I was able to hold that in trust in the back of my mind wow. as we explored another topic. And, you know, we'll get back to Brian Henson and breaking into his home. Yes, we certainly will get back to that as well. Uh, but yeah, so I, I met my husband first day of college. We were playing one of those like getting to know you games and we were playing mafia. 
And is that what you consider a getting to know you game? I gotta stop you right there too because I didn't know that there was such a thing. I guess it's like an improv warm up game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but was it at a party or something? No, it was just our dorm was like, oh, let's everyone okay come down. He didn't even live in the dorm, which is why we ended up getting together because I was like, no, dorm sest is gross. Um, Point. So he lived in the dorm across the way, but I lived in the substance free dorm where everything was a little bit more wholesome mm-hmm. on the front. And mm-hmm. I ended up being the bad kid. Cause I was like, I'm 19 and I want to drink, but, but you had chosen that initially and then realized you didn't want that. I chose the substance free dorm because my friend went to UC Santa Barbara and she was like, college is just girls who won't change their sheets after they have sex. And <laughs> so you have to go to the substance free dorm. And so I did to be honest with you. Now that you're saying this, it does seem like while I might've enjoyed like getting nuts, I, I always liked having a place to come back to that wasn't that yeah. rather than being surrounded by it and being like, no, I really do want to sleep right now. Right. That's very smart. Yeah. So I was the drunk kid who was sitting on the floor of the showers, like uh-huh. sobbing. <laughs> And everyone else was like, we're just trying to study for OCHEM. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm the bad one. And my my friends are bad. But originally, uh-huh. before I was corrupted, we were playing this game of Mafia. And he came because he was in some other dorm that was mostly filled with like sophomores and juniors. So he came and joined. And he immediately, the thing that I would learn about my husband is he's really interested in strategy and board games. And he looks like, like what I'm hearing. He has a little uh, science brain. I'm going to let yes. this dog in. I'm going to regret it immediately. I already She's going to like pull the microphone out. <laughs> if you think I'm going to edit through any of this, you're dead wrong. Whitney, yeah, it's okay. You need to ease off. Oh, just great. But I told, this is exactly what I told you was going to happen, which is like, I hope you're not planning on talking or thinking or no. living without me. Oh, this Guys, is wonderful. Back off. There you go. Settle in. Settle I don't want to say it's Settle like I have a harem, in. but yeah, you do. It's how it feels Look right at now. Her and then immediately just rolls over. Like mm-hmm. I, you, I belong to you and you belong to me. She's wonderful. Um, I'm um, glad you think so. Yes. Yeah, so, so we were playing mafia. He, was into board games before board games were cool again. Mm-hmm. So like no one would play Settlers of Catan with him uh-huh. in, in college. Fair. And he's really good at them. I've never seen him lose a game of Settlers of Catan. So it's really his own fault. But uh-huh. we were playing Mafia and he um, he immediately was like, she's in the Mafia. And I wasn't in the Mafia. I'm just loud and obnoxious. Uh-huh. Side and note, if, if you guys don't know what Mafia is, I, I don't want to waste too much time talking about it, but basically it's almost like a heads up, seven up type situation. Yeah, You haven't played that either. Everyone closes their eyes. Somebody's kind of running the game and there's a couple people who are quote unquote killing people when the town is quote unquote asleep. Mm-hmm. And then the whole purpose of the game is this sort of game of manipulation and lies. Yes. I'm sure it was very appealing to you as it is to me, uh, where you, you're trying to sort of decide who the killers are and you have to kill someone and if you kill the wrong person you're just killing your your township and in the end the idea is that the mafia has sort of successfully killed enough people that they've kind of taken over the town and i love that it's called mafia because it's also sort of just like psycho killer yes but somehow the mafia has this reputation of like what do they do kill a person every night that's yeah what the mafia does that's what they do not not the drug running yeah. not the gambling yeah they murder people yeah they build great casinos and then they murder one person a night <laughs> And then you have to try to figure out who it is. I've never thought of it. That I haven't either. So true. I haven't either. I've never questioned it until just now when we were talking about it. That was a discovery I had on the fly. Like, huh, why 
do we call a mafia? Yeah, it should be called Dexter or something. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Because it's a town of, of serial killers. Yeah, he's a serial, serial killer. Taking so revenge. Yeah, revenge. I just said. Uh, okay, so he was great at Sellers so, of Catan. He was. He immediately identified you as being in the mafia. Mm-hmm. Which created a little spark. It did. It totally mm-hmm. did. And then I was not in the mafia. I was just loud. And he, as it turns out, they they murdered me off because of course you do. Right. And then it turned out he won because he was the mafia the whole time. Oh. And so I found that very wonderful. compelling. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy can get to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Boy. very shy when he's not playing a game. So I almost oh, immediately forgot. Oh, what a great way. Yeah. <laughs> And I got a bad haircut, so he forgot about me. But eventually, <laughs> eventually, we we got back together, and we've been together ever since. And he's the one who will call me out when I'm like, "Oh my god, I think this person hates me because look how stern they are in this email." And he's like, "I think that they're just being straightforward, and you are being too sensitive." And yeah. I'm like, "I need some ice cream. Uh-huh. Please go get it for me." <laughs> and he does, so that's it's great. A good. That's a really good arrangement. Um, I have been. Have you been in relationships where you were uh, at that you were with somebody who had those same inclinations as me as you like the way that you just described that balance of him sort of being sane in moments when you want to kind of tip over into like yeah. paranoia? Um, have you been with anybody who was more that than you are? Oh, totally. Who, yeah. Like I, I have been with people who are insecure and. I have to be the boss, which I don't like. God, I hate being the boss. It's not great. I don't like being the boss. There's something about the sort of like, like there's, there are certain, if speaking of straight relationships, I, I'm not going to speak to, um, to gay relationships, uh, just because I'm not talking about that exact thing right now with you. Um, but this, this, there does seem to be this sort of dynamic where, up to a certain point, women um, express themselves in certain ways or behave in certain ways and project a certain confidence and strength that I think is still in a place where maybe it confuses mm-hmm. straight men or some, something happens where right. you don't necessarily, like you, you might attract a strong person, but in the end it turns out that they still like want you to be the boss. Yeah. I don't know. It's very yeah. frustrating. No, I totally understand that. I don't want to be not the boss. I just want us to co-boss. Yes. <laughs> like and sometimes you need to be the boss. Sometimes I need to be the boss. It's so true. Although most of my ex-boyfriends have turned out to be gay and my husband is still, I like to say, um, you know, sure he's out. <laughs> he doesn't like it when I say that, but I'm like, yeah. look, I have experience with a lot of very straight men turning very gay. Hmm. And so what's a lot uh, like almost every single one. Really? But that was all like high school, middle school. Mm. So that's uh, by the just way, natural. I do too, but I, but I, now I want to immediately link it to what we just said. Like right. I immediately want to link it to some I'm sort like, of maybe like this. Am I, because I, I remember thinking like maybe, cause I also had the same feeling of like, you know what? It's okay. But I think even then I thought, well, I must be the most masculine girl <laughs> he could be with without it seeming like he was picking someone masculine. Like it's a real <laughs> Machiavellian thing I'm coming up with. That's all right. subconscious in this adorable man's mind, whoever this is, mm-hmm. this idea of like, well, listen, I'm feminine looking enough that it would still seem like you were making Making a choice that made sense as a quote unquote straight man versus right. picking somebody who was very, very tomboyish. Yet my personality was so tomboyish that perhaps they felt more comfortable and drawn to me because right. I wasn't feminine. You were safe. I was safe. Is that how you feel? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Lucy 
personality. Um, and I, I'm really mad like because Lucy. Yes. I'm really mad. Bless oh, you. and also Lucy, Lucy. I love all Lucy's. Wait, who's Lucy, 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 Lucille Ball. Oh, Lucy, Lucy. I'm both of them. <laughs> what about Lucy Goosey? No, that's, the, a, that's and, something different. That's the, something and different. the Lucy Goosey, as everyone knows. Oh. No. Uh, so and I'm annoyed because now that the Peanuts movie is coming out, those references just sound topical. And I'm like, no, no, I was Lucy. You, uh, you needn't worry about that. I think Peanuts is so evergreen that it's not topical. Like it's like they're topical. We're not topical. I the discovered, movie, you know two people that i work with they're like oh I hate peanuts and i'm like i've never met anyone who hated peanuts that's yeah. such a strong a feeling too. i know it's so weird it's not like it's family circus i was gonna say family circus or, <laughs> or family circus or what's her name and she she just eats chocolate all the time kathy and, yes Ka- yeah. <laughs> just the way you rolled your eyes you're like really kathy so contemptuous <laughs> i agree with you and i think what i would say to those peanuts hate- haters out there clearly you have not fully explored the canon of peanuts because they i don't know how much i've talked about peanuts on the podcast probably too much along with (laughs) anne of green gables but they charles schultz was getting into some crazy ass nietzsche like absurd sartre like what is real what is not real kind of i mean it was some deep shit it's art and philosophy absolutely God, it's so good. And Goofy. Have a chance. Like, yeah. just silly. Like, I love Linus's existential crises as much as I love Snoopy bounding through the grass and then laughing totally. like a loon. Yeah. And then, you know, Red Baron. But... Absolutely. I... I so I'm, I'm so a Lucy. Lucy type. I'm a Lucy. I'm so very... dry and I'm bossy? Very, yes. I'm very dominant. I'm very aggressive. But I also want someone to take care of me and sweep me off my feet but if that ever happened i would start screaming and kick them and wouldn't allow it yeah so i always just assumed okay well you know i think there's that period of everyone's life where they're like i'm not sure what what this stuff in my pants is telling me i want and then there's also people like me who i'm like okay well you can just be with me and it'll be great and and I think that that was comforting for mm-hmm. someone to not have to make a decision until they were like, as it turns out, I'm gay. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, where, uh, where did you grow up? Where were you a teenager, most specifically? I grew up, so I was born on the East Coast, and then I moved when I was really little to a town called Redlands, which is an mm-hmm. hour east of here. Mm-hmm. And until I went to college, that's basically where... I lived and and was raised. And now when I go back there, I'm like, this town is not as awful as I thought it was. It actually has some really well-priced Victorian houses. Uh (laughs) And now I'm angry that I grew up here because I can, Uh I can never experience this as just a nice town to raise my own dogs and cats. Uh (laughs) Kids is a very, that's a very scary concept to me still. So dogs and cats. Yeah. Because I grew up there and it's tainted for me. I really understand that. Well, I was just talking with, um, I think it was Joy, actually, uh, one of my last guests, Mm -hmm. who was talking about being from um, Olympia. And I was like, oh, I love Olympia. And we sort of had a conversation about that, which led to the conversation about your hometown and how many different lenses you put on about it through your life. Right. And like, I'll never get... I. I guess never say never, but I, I feel I will never get to a place where the end game is like, and I'm going to move back, which right. happens to some people. Yeah. I don't see that happening, but I certainly do have the sort of like, 
Oh, I get why people are so enchanted by Tucson now, mm-hmm. but I still don't feel that way. But I get it. And like, if I can just put a little bit of that back into myself, then I'll have the sense of wonder and, and appreciation of it that I couldn't, for the longest time, I could not see. I mean, right. I was blind to it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's even parts of LA because I grew up coming to LA for various things, especially for theater to, you know, see stuff. I can't go to the Pantages now. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so dirty and gross to me <laughs> because I saw it from an unfiltered lens oh, as a kid that yeah. I'm like, ugh, gross. Hollywood and Vine. No, thank you. Right, right, right. Uh, God, that's interesting too. I, I'm always interested in, because I, God, the, a couple different things. Uh, number one, I, I'm fascinated by this feeling I have, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's kind of weird, like, I don't want to say it's metaphysical, but it certainly is kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this feeling of being in a place that you've been to before, but then becomes familiar to you in a new way under different circumstances. And I'm really into the sort of like emotional time travel capability of oh God, this one strip I remember, like I remember like when it imprints in you in a different way, because it's Mm -hmm. because you're, you're either you're younger or there's something either traumatic or very exciting involved in it. Like I remember have, you know, I lived into San Francisco for 10 years, but I still, every time I walk up like Grant and Stockton, Mm -hmm. I get this intense flashbacky time travel-y feeling of when I very first got there because the hotel I stayed at to try to find an apartment was in Chinatown at that corner. And so I can totally just look at it as that kid who was like, oh my God, I don't know where I am. I'm lost here, but I want to be here. You know what I mean? And and there's a gross part of it too, which is the sort of like, but I think that's so interesting when you, when you visited a place as a young person, same with New York, like LA and New York, especially, I would imagine that there are these weird bubbles of places that you go, God, that was a big deal to me then. And now I don't even give it a second thought or choose not to give it a second thought. Yeah. Like I remember the first time I went to LAX was when I was 16 and we were going away for like a three week ambassadorship thing in, in uh, the UK. And it was like the biggest airport I'd ever been in because before then I'd just gone to the Ontario airport. It was the, and I'd probably I'd been on a plane like two times before that. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. And it was so crazy. And I felt like we were all going to get lost and we weren't going to make it on the plane. And, and now I fly all the time and flying is just this non issue. I mean, it's a non issue in the sense that everything is so overwhelming that you just are like, I need to get on the flight and get a Bloody Mary. Yes. But that sense of wonder and enchantment and like scariness Mm -hmm. is just gone. But every once in a while, I think I'll be in part of LAX that I must have been in when, and I don't even know where yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know it when I'm standing there, I'm like, whoa, this is where I was when we were going away. And yeah. how formative for me. Yeah. And I'll just soak that in for like three seconds and then be like, oh gosh, I'm late. And yeah, you go. totally get it. You totally get it. Um, okay. And so uh, how many gay boyfriends do you think you had in high school? I think I had, well, I do this thing where I am like a serial monogamist. Mm-hmm. I break up and then I immediately find a new boyfriend. So I... Did you ever find a new boyfriend while you're in the process of maybe thinking about breaking up with a person before or were you serial monogamist enough that you didn't... Your brain didn't work that way until... No, it was just like cut off and then I was like, oh, okay, here's a new person. There wasn't ever any overlap of like feelings or 
or anything. It was just like, cut off. I hate you. Get out of my life. <laughs> no. You're gay. And then I'd be like, oh, here's this other boy. <laughs> Did you, were you the breaker upper? I always I broke up. Even with, if it was the reason was they were gay. Always. Huh. I think that there, I can't re- remember my very first boyfriend, but I, I think I probably broke up with him too. Um, and I would basically, some of them didn't turn out to like come out of the closet until far later. And I'd get a notification on Facebook and it'd be like, so called it. (laughs) And, but then other ones like my, my last boyfriend before I went away to college, I broke up with him because for like numerous reasons, but also like the dot at the end of the sentence was, and also you're gay. So please like, don't follow me to college, go find your own life because you're gay and you need, you need, but do you, do are you saying that you were calling it before they were calling I it totally to you? I totally was. I did. And then six months later, he like messaged me back and he was like, guess what? And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, do you, let me ask you this question. Uh, this is a, a sort of a societal question, misanthropology. Mm. Um, but do you think, I'm interested in like this, I'm interested in even just decade to decade, much less generation to generation, or even like five-year spans, depending on how much we leak fo- leap forward in that way, so right. sociologically, I guess. But um, do you feel like there are... Do you feel like there's less of that now? Do you think that kids are more free to figure that out sooner? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm just wondering if it's going to... There are going to be a rate of diminishing returns where people... Uh, because because we don't really know yet how much I mean we have a sense but how much society sort of dictates how you determine your sexuality totally. as a young person versus how much of it is innate versus how much of it is we're all bisexual which right. I totally embrace mm-hmm. um, but I just wonder if because I feel like again same with me it's like no no one was out I'm not that old yeah and no one was out there right. were two out people my entire first through 12th grade yeah and i feel like 10 years after that there must have been more and Mm -hmm. 10 years and there's more and more kids who are able to acknowledge that sooner but i also wonder if there are still going to be situations where somebody figures that out let's take it easy why don't we uh where somebody (laughs) figures that out uh you know still as an 18 year old or a 30 year old or right a, i can't I, i'm interested in how much of it becomes sort of a genetic awakening or a yeah i don't know i think some of it definitely in nowadays you have less oh, of dogs the, you have less of the actors and uh, musicians and the people that we all look up to and admire who are now playing straight and then coming out which, you know, that was all of the Rock Hudson's of of not my generation, but someone's generation. Right. And but then you think about it and it wasn't that long ago that like David Hyde Pierce, who is my middle school crush, and then you think clearly you have a type. But like mm-hmm. David Hyde Pierce came out and I remember I was like devastated, but also, yeah. I knew it was probably the case. Yeah. So you still have people who are coming out after not saying anything for a long time and not denying it, mm-hmm. but not also like embracing it mm-hmm. and being on the cover of, of, um, all of the like advocate magazine and everything. So it's still happening where I think, and I, I think there's tons of, of closeted celebs who just know that they're, marketability is based on teen girls on Tumblr loving them. So right. they just, embrace that and you know they probably have a beard and some lovely small actress who is eventually gonna be like i'm 
I'm, you know, going to go with this guy who's clearly not gay. You find another beard. But also, I think that people are more free to have those conversations, even with, you know, severely like right wing people Mm -hmm. where that's a little bit more normative now. Mm -hmm. And almost to the case that one of my one of my relatives, um, my niece was she was 13 and she was like, I'm gay. And I was like, good for you. And then two years later she was like, I'm dating a boy. And I was like, that's confusing, but still like, great, whatever. And now I don't even know what it is that like, I don't know anything about her sexuality and I don't ask, but it's funny that, that it, and she had issues with other people in the family accepting her for who she was. But on my side, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, let's go fly a kite. Like, let's have fun. Who cares? That's not a conversation we need to have unless you really like want to discuss it. Yeah. Um, But then I think people are so free in some cases to explore that their identity continues to shift and evolve in a Mm -hmm. way that probably it didn't used to because they had to be so straight Mm -hmm. outwardly that they figured out a lot of those things privately. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have the, I'm a lesbian. Wait, no, actually I'm bisexual. Actually I tried it all and it turns out I'm straight. Right. Um, that is more of a public awareness that I think we're having now, mm-hmm. which is cool and interesting, but I think that those would have been more like behind the scenes, internal mm-hmm. dialogues and not things that you're seeing play out on Facebook. Yeah, agreed. And I'm also interested more in sort of how, what the mainstream is and how much the kind of fringe versus mainstream is is still going to be an issue forevermore. And, I, and, and using high school as an example, I'm really talking out of my ass on this one, but <laughs> I'm thinking too about sort of like, you know, the, the predictable kind of, well, where were the people who were out while well, they were in theater or they were in dance, they right. weren't football players, they weren't cheerleaders. Um, and I'm wondering if that's, a th- if, if it will, if it's still, and for those of you, I do have a lot of younger listeners, for those of you who are in college or some of you are even in high school, um, Tell me, you know, is it is it across the board norm or are there still things being held on to societally that make that still unacceptable in your various communities for a certain type of person in high school versus, you know, where does that stuff spill out first? Right. And then where does the wave go from there? Are there a lot of adorable lesbian cheerleaders who look straight to us in terms of mm-hmm. like how we perceive uh, certain norms or is that still kind of like, well, this goes with this as this goes with this. Yeah. That's the most I, obscure way I could possibly put it. But. No, it's totally true. I'm fascinated by that and I don't, let me word this so it doesn't make me sound creepy. I was about to say, I don't hang out with that many high school kids. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't? <laughs> but uh, I, I just am not, none of my relatives are that age. Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. don't have the think tank of like, so what's cool right now? Yeah. How do you use Snapchat? Which no, I still don't understand. I keep like rejoining Snapchat because I'm like, all right, today's the day I'm going to finally figure uh-huh. this out. And then I do one, one little snap or whatever they call it. And then I'm like, I don't, I fundamentally don't understand this. Yeah. So I don't I'm have, so, I'm not either. I don't have my young my youths to tell me how I, the barometer that I need to be pointing my life towards, but it is really fascinating. And 
an odd thing happened where I, I almost like transported myself back to high school the other day because one of my coworkers turned to me and he's like, did you go to Redlands East Valley high school? And I was like, yeah, Rolling Stone says it's a sea of Abercrombie and Fitch girls. Uh, because someone got murdered there. So it was oh, I was going to say, why was the focus? <laughs> why are they obsessed with Redlands anyway? Someone was murdered. Oh, and no. so it was a big thing, oh, but no. I know it was, that was, that was a really bizarre thing, but it was also one of those like natural born killers moments where you're like, this is too bizarre for yeah. my life. Yeah. But I was like, yes, I did. Why? Like did, what, what's going to come out of this thing and he was like I think that I was best friends with a lot of your best friends in high school and I was like are you serious so then we started comparing stories and we're not really in touch with any of those people anymore yeah but to the to the point that like people please update your Facebook's so that I know what it is you're doing because I hate that I'm friends with so many people from high school, but they don't say what their jobs are and I'm not close enough to ask them, Uh but I want to know. I just don't want to like, like have this, um, I just don't want to start up a friendship, but I, I am fascinated by what people are doing that Mm -hmm. were in my high school. So, I was like, well, what are all those people doing? He's like, nothing. And I was like, ha ha, you're so silly. Uh, that's, that's what my Facebook says too. So uh-huh. we had this moment where I was like, oh my God, you're the guy that I would hear my friends talk about. Wow. And, and I went through and I found all these photos where he was in all of them. I was like, I've looked at these did photos Did he go to your school years. or did he not go to your no, school? No, he went oh, okay, to a okay. different school and he was part of that you know, theater scene and, and that was everything. And, and that was the group I was part of. And he was just doing community theater with them in a, a place that my mom never let me, you know, audition for. And she was like, whatever. So it was so weird having these worlds that were touching. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and I was like, Oh my God, that's so bizarre that I heard so much about you. And it was almost like I knew you for some reason. I thought you were black, but that's good that we cleared that up. Interesting. Um, what made you think that? Do you remember? I don't know. That's I don't so know funny. why I thought that it's like when you're reading a book yeah, and you just have a picture, of you a just have a picture of what Harry Potter looks like. And then, you know, you're, some people are like that, um, is exactly what he looks like when they watch the movie. Yeah. And some people are like, that's absolutely not Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and apparently I thought this guy was black. Did that there amuse was, him? I think he, he loved it. He, he thought it was great, but it's just so weird how things like come back to high school, which is this melting pot of experiences. Mm-hmm. What, what was your, what was the theater group like in terms of, you know, I know you mentioned that you chose the wholesome dorm, um, when you did go into college, were you surrounded by like, were you guys rapscallions or was, cause some theater department departments, I guess is a loose term for right. high school, but some theater departments have a real cross section of weirdos and squeaky clean people. Yeah. Some have some, that's where you go if you want to be goth and do drugs. Mm-hmm. And some is like more like glee. You know what I mean? Right. What was yours like? Oh, I could never watch glee because that was too close to home. I was like, no, really? it's too close. Okay. But, Ours was a little bit of a mix where we had the misfits and we had the, you know, the AP kids. And, and then I was, I was the president of the, the group from sophomore to senior year. So, so it, it was really like a drama felt club like, opposed to like a class. No, it was everything. Okay. There was a thespian society and there, there was, you know, tech classes mm-hmm. to build sets and everything. So I was involved in everything. 
Um, and most people were not that involved in it. They would come in and out and, and ebb and flow. Most people who were had an identity as part of some after school group, it was sports or band or something like that. And I would float into those groups and do like orchestra, but then I would always come back to my home, which was the theater. And it was a very like motley crew of different kinds of people. It was a public school. It was a public school. Yeah. So a very, very assorted group. I definitely, I was in charge of everything from probably way too young. So I had the keys and are you an only child or you're the oldest child? I'm a middle child. Oh, okay. So I was given the keys to this, theater department as a sophomore, which I think is way too young looking back. Um, and if we didn't want to go to class, like we would just get a note and go and hang out in the theater and, um, like work on stuff. So it was this awesome safe haven, but also I totally was doing things that I should not have been doing, uh, namely with my boyfriend, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, it was great and bizarre. It was, it was wholesome, but a little bit a little bit seedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can really relate to that. I feel like yeah. I was doing maybe more. I wasn't like super sexually seedy, but I was definitely yeah. doing stuff that I knew like certainly some people would be surprised. Well, I don't know. I guess I, who knows what anyone thought. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was, which I, boyfriend was this? It was the boyfriend that I had all throughout high school that I oh, eventually you just had was like, one. Okay. I had one boyfriend in high school. I had a lot of boyfriends in middle school. And then I met Graham and we've been together ever since. Although there's been like periods where we'll take a break and we'll kind of see other people, but we'll also still be hanging. I, I am not nearly as like exposed to that male side of humanity as I think I should be because everyone I dated was either gay or Graham, which verdict's still out. Uh Uh So but you did get married. Um, we did get married. Yeah, we've been married for almost three years now. Um, and we're like Fred and Ethel. I like to think we're Lucy and Ricky, but we're not passionate enough to be Lucy and Ricky. <laughs> we're, we're already old. Listen, there's something to be said for a little bit less of a... I mean, nobody's slapping anybody around in your relationship. So totally. It yeah. yeah. Okay, so, you're, so your boyfriend who was in high school... Um, that's another thing, too, is like high school... I mean, God, you're just... So hormonal Mm -hmm. that talk about the time when everyone, to me, everyone would be the most bisexual, but just because like, it just feels great to have anyone like stroke your arm for a second. You're like, (laughs) I love you. I love you so much. Um, you know, I was like making out with friends, male and female that there wasn't even like, I mean, I was making out with friends where there was drama afterwards where it was like, things are really weird because we made out. (laughs) And then I had friends that I'm still really close to where we're like, do you remember when we were like hooking up? (laughs) like after school for six months and we never talked about it and we weren't a couple and then we just stopped and then we just stayed friends like nothing happened yeah like i can't you know and then i don't i can't put my finger on why that versus why the other versus Mm -hmm. you know but but that really is a time when gay or straight like you can probably get excited about just about anything especially if you're a boy oh my god i know i can't imagine what it's like to be a boy where you watch those health school class videos and uh, the guy just, you know, he just is getting on during like the choir photo and it's so embarrassing and you're watching this and you're like is that really what men do like yeah. do they is it so uncontrollable but i mean i guess to an extent it kind of is it's this weird like appendage that they don't exactly understand and no one else does and everyone who is um 
older is either uncool or it's awkward to talk about. So yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be a boy because at least as a girl, you're just like, oh, there's just all of this. Just my whole life is a mess and I have to deal with, I remember when, and I don't want to make it gross, but I remember when I first started like my period, I after the first time I was like, I just need to have a hysterectomy because I don't think I can do this for 50 yes, years. Yes, I felt the same way. God, it was so bad when I was a teenager. I mean, the like actual, I can't go to school because my cramps are so bad oh, and no. I'm so dizzy and like headachey and just like, bull. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So girls are dealing with that. Guys are dealing with uncontrollable urges when they're completely non-sexual and it's just, and and then they're all like put into this little Petri dish and expect that they're going to be functional. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's, what's interesting. I'm I'm always interested to talk to people uh, as these guys know about um, private school versus public school and segregated gender school Mm -hmm. because I only knew the way I knew it. I never went to, you know, a a girl's school and in my head, that's awful. Yeah. And then I've talked to so many girls who are like, ugh, thank God I was at an all girl school. I never would have gotten anything done. Oh. And then I have the conversation where like, I feel like I did better at times because I was so amped up about wanting to look good in front of, you know, someone I had a crush on or. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, what kind of uh, music were you listening like, was Like, what what else was important to you besides theater? Oh, were you listening I, to a lot of music? Were you, did you do drugs in no. addition to kind of screwing around with I your never, boyfriend? Never, never did drugs. Mm-hmm. Never did drugs. Um, I never drank alcohol, anything like that. I remember when we were on that trip to the UK, one of our friends who was kind of the, she was, she, she reminds me of the smart kid from Modern Family and she kind of looked like her too. But at the same time, she was really, um, she would vacillate between being very straight edge and then very like scenester kid. Um, but she was the smartest one out of all of us. She just was like, oh, I got a 1600 whatever. Uh-huh. But now I'm going to go to this club. And I think I can try heroin and it not affect me. And we're like, Holy. what are you yeah. talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> so uh, she went and had a cider. And I locked her out of my room. And I was like, no, I'm a good girl. You just had a cider. Oh, I'm 16. Darling. I don't want to get sent home. Yeah. So I was... I was and again it's just that like blind allegiance to values that you don't quite understand yet and being very forceful and for me very bossy about it and dominant and I was like nope you've broken the rules (laughs) and I'm going to lock you out you can find another place to sleep in tonight because I don't want to get sent home amazing um but I yeah I our our school is really really big our graduating class was a thousand people so it was really easy to feel small and also more important than you were depending on what after school activity you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't think I liked music at all and I still like music isn't the biggest part of my life. Um, I, of course, lots of musical theater type stuff and mm-hmm. I, I'd be like, I don't really know. And then my boyfriend's older brothers gave us a CD that we were, we were like, we need to, experience music because we're 16 and this should be part of our life i love that you made a conscious decision yeah so we need to be into bands you guys yeah now we need to be into this stuff because we're losers if we don't like music is this just like a small group of your closest Mm -hmm. friends or yeah yeah and so my my boyfriend at the times older brother who i totally had a crush on and 
um, he, my, my gay ex-boyfriend now looks a lot like him. And I'm uh-huh. just like, Oh, <laughs> not fair. <laughs> Complicated. I know. Yeah, it's so simple. So he gave us the CD and it was Bell and Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And so now like twee pop and, and indie music is some of my favorite. And I feel bad because it, is because he introduced it to us. And I was like, oh my gosh, the lyrics are so happy and they're playing trumpets. But he's really talking about these deep, awful things. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I was really into indie music and um, saw of Montreal like my first week of college. And I was like, this is where I belong. And now I still like, I would need someone to tell me what is cool now because that is still my point of reference for music is if I put something on Spotify, I'm, I'm probably listening to the same stuff I was listening to when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's music is music is so bizarre because I want to be into music, but I need someone to tell me what I like. Uh And it's a very strange experience. But have you had anyone else I mean, it sounds like you sort of found a, a more or less a genre that appeals to you. Uh, has anybody else kind of tried to f- force feed you something else that you've been like, actually, I don't like this. People definitely, ha- there are some things. I think it's just because I'm so open to those experiences. I made it sound like sex. Um, <laughs> isn't it? I'm so open to anything uh, musical that there's just not a lot that has turn me off entirely Mm -hmm. like I can I find little things that I enjoy from most genres Mm -hmm. like I was working on um marketing for straight out of Compton and I started listening to NWA and I was like okay I can see why people like this sure I can see it I also feel very aggressive when I listen to it so I'm not going to all the time (laughs) but I can see why people like NWA even though it makes me vaguely uncomfortable yeah um So it's just been one of those things where, and I think it's because I'm such a, I don't want to say thoughtful person because that makes it sound like I'm complimenting myself, but I just mean that I'm always in my head. You're introspective maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm listening to music, I'm almost not even listening to it. I'm almost in my head thinking about like five different conversations from that day and Mm -hmm. some, some stupid thing that I said that here's the way it should have gone. And next time this is what I'll do. And then it's just like in the background. (laughs) So I think that that's why I've never Uh, been a music person because music is never just enraptured that part of my brain Mm -hmm. that turns off and wants to listen to the music. It's almost background noise for just living inside my own brain, uh, thinking and overthinking things. Mm -hmm. There's a, so many things. Okay. Uh, this is, there's no way to say this without it sounding maybe weird, but, um, I, I, you are one of those people that, um, I feel like I are, like I know, like so much of your persona is very familiar to me. And it's not like, I'm like, you're just like my friend, blah, blah, blah. It's right. not that at all. There's nothing. Cause sometimes people say, you know, Oh, Janet, you're just like my friend, Christine from mm-hmm. high school. Like, that's why I feel like I know you. And I'm always hurt somehow. Like it's insulting <laughs> that they knew someone like me before. Uh, but th- so it's not, it's not something specific, but it's feels I, lo- I the way you express yourself is so comfortable to me, even though it's not the same yeah. energy level that I have. But one of the things that uh, I would have thought about you that I'm so, frankly, charmed by is that you don't, the way you express yourself, like I feel like to use myself and also someone like Chris Hardwick as an example um, and putting someone like you and maybe Felicia in another category, I don't know why we're having like a wrestling match now, but um, 
I think we like Chris and I can both make fun of our anxieties. And I Mm -hmm. think that because we're so sort of energetic and, and bouncy and like intense and talk fast, that's a very easy thing to understand. Like, no, of course you were kept awake at last night wondering if you said the wrong thing to this person. So there's something so reassuring about someone like you who seems so just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> to know that you too are thinking about something like that, it's just very reassuring to me. Oh my God, I'm the most crazy person I know. <laughs> I'm so crazy. Oh man. Yeah, I... I I love that analogy because there are those people who never talk about weird things. There's there's those people who like me, what I do is it just slips out in random conversation. Like it just did. And then there's those people who, who just make it part of almost their like routine Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's just this open thing. And I've always wanted to be a little bit more on that side of just being like, this is who I am. Embrace me or get out, whatever. Uh I don't care, but this is me and all my quirks. But I'm, I'm always end up being that person who quietly will start talking about something. And then it goes into this weird, dark place. Uh And everyone's like, what, what just happened? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I appreciate it. My mom is the, is the champion of doing those things. She'll just start talking. And I, I remember she, she tells these awful stories, but she's charming and Southern and she's like not as racist as Paula Dean, but she would remind someone of Paula Dean. Mm-hmm. If Paula Dean was not the person we all knew deep down she was, <laughs> it would be my mom. Yeah. And so my mom will just be telling people this story and she'll be like oh that reminds me of when i lived in the great smoke mountains and i had to go to a boarding school and we had to wash a dead body and i was like wait what and so she'll and she'll just be like oh grizzly bee wants some food so i've got to go love you bye and and then that's the end and she it just like manifests itself in this bizarre way that you're not even thinking and she's the funniest person but i can't get her to do it on command because everyone's like oh you should you should, your mom should be in a show or something like you should do an act with your mom. But my mom is like the WB frog where she'll do these things when, when it's just like her alone or with (laughs) some people. But then if you ask her to do it, she'll be like, Oh, I can. It's Uh. too shameful. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So I can't get her to do it on command. And I guess I have kind of, I've kind of adopted a little bit of that where I, it, it just, comes out in moments that I cannot control much like the boy in choir who just can't handle the fact that, you know, he's got this burning desire and he doesn't know why, because there's nothing physically around him to stimulate him. Yeah. But he's just like, I've got an erection. I, I really want to have sex with this violin. What is wrong with me? Oh God. And that's, Bless. that, that is me. I, it just, my insecurities and my quirks manifest in ways that I do not expect. And people will be like, you're really funny. You should be a stand-up comedian. And I, I can't make myself do those things. So I could never actually do stand-up because I'd get really awkward and uncomfortable and it would become very forced. But when I'm having a conversation, I'll just say something and want to make people laugh mm-hmm. and I'll just say something weird or creepy or uncomfortable in a way that ends up being either humorous or really bizarre. 
but either way I'm fine with it. Yeah. But I can't, I can't control it. It's like the piece that. that I cannot control. I understand that. I mean, I don't, I don't not feel like that, even though the, the way that I would express it would be different. I think that, you know, the, the sort of question of like, well, why don't you just do take your act on stage in yeah. that way? It feels like there is such a great divide between being comfortable organically being that person, which is why I like improv, right? Because mm-hmm. that gives me the opportunity to do all of those things without any expectation or planning. Yeah. Um, versus somebody who, yeah, because very easily, if you were like, I've been doing stand up for three years, I'd be like, oh, of course you have, and you're great, <laughs> you know? Um, when's your special come out? But also, that's another thing that I also always appreciate because I can relate to it so well, which right. is it's hard to have someone tell you a thing that you're good at that you should take to the next level. Right. When you're like, don't make me feel like I'm wasting my potential. I'm not, I don't want to do that thing. Can I just be real funny here in this context? Yeah. Oh my God. Just remember Pablo Escobar. Yeah. He owned the whole world. Age 28. The fact that you're not a drug dealer should be forever shameful to you. Forever shameful. I know. I think, I think people are constantly finding that thing to make them stand out. I found my high school Zanga a little while ago and I was reading it, which is basically, it was another version of live journal or, oh, okay. or something I, like you that. You just said a word that I would have assumed, assumed was like a, a, a dance an yeah. aerobic <laughs> dance. Like, oh, okay. No, so you look great. You've been Zangaing. I've been Zangaing. Yeah. Um, I have a lifetime membership, mm-hmm. but that's actually why I found it because one birthday, my best friend bought me a lifetime membership to my Zanga. And so while the site obviously went down is not successful. Mine is still up there because it's a lifetimer. So I got to read all of these blogs that I wrote when I was 16 and didn't understand and said words like asinine as part of my daily conversation, Mm -hmm. um, just to sound pretentious and (laughs) and because it probably made my mouth feel funny. Uh (laughs) Um, but I was reading this post where I was like, I'm not good at anything. What is my thing? Everyone has their thing. What is my thing? And the longer I have had to just be comfortable in my own skin, the more I'm accepting that that if I never find that one thing that makes me Pablo Escobar, that it'll be okay. Yes. And also probably better because all those people die when they're really young. They die when they're very young. They die. They, they <clears throat> flame and then yeah. they burn out. And also, I don't know. I mean, I'm tr- hard pressed to think of a single example my limited knowledge of somebody who doesn't feel privately or ends up admitting it publicly. Like there's no way that other important things don't fall away. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's probably what this new Steve Jobs movie is about. Surprise, surprise. Haven't seen it, but you know, any situation like that where, you know, it's like, I know Pablo was a huge drug dealer, but like, did he have a close relationship with his dog? I don't know. Probably not. Probably Who not. has time for that when you're off doing what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, people. it's hard to, it feels like it would be hard to be balanced. Now I just sound like I'm saying, read leaning in or whatever it's called, <laughs> which I certainly have not read. But I think that for many people, you know, this idea of like, oh, I, f- I found this thing and I'm taking it all the way. Right. Without without ending up having regrets of your own of yeah. like, well, yeah, I, I get that I'm sort of ubiquitous in this place as like the, the example of this, but you know, my children won't speak to me or mm-hmm. whatever. So I don't know, you know, yeah. speaking of the grass is always greener. And, and I've realized more and more as I have, you know, befriended people in industries that I really wanted to do or things that I would like to see myself 
being someday that so many people also have that same, okay, well, this is what I do that people recognize me for, but I also have all these other things oh, yes. that, you know, I, I am great at or that I want to do or that I actually would prefer doing over this thing that I've become well known for. Yeah. I would much rather be a gardener. And I'm like, really? But you're so, so great at the thing you do. And they're like, I know, but it's not really what I want to do. It's this other yeah. thing. And so there's that, that it's not quite imposter syndrome, but it's some related thing that I think everyone just like quietly goes through mm-hmm. and they're just like, yeah, it's great that I'm getting paid to do this thing. I would much rather do that thing. And then I just start getting very existentially worried because I'm like, there's not enough time to do all the things that we want to in our lives. Death's not scary, but life is. Oh my God, I need to go hide. Right, right, right. Well, I think that's, um, I mean, that really kind of puts the, the, I think that like sort of you put your finger right on it, which is this sort of idea of like, have like, how do you, live inside that restlessness and be okay with some stuff and let the restlessness kind of spurn you on in other ways. You know what I mean? And and then not rush to your death and not be like, Oh my God, I rushed. I was in such a hurry and I was so dissatisfied with everything. And now I'm about to die. And I think it's, I think it's almost a more admirable trait when you realize that people actually want to do more than one thing. Mm -hmm. When you realize that there is, for most people, not that one thing that you're like, what is my one thing? When you realize that most people are also grappling with that and that they have their thing, but they're doing an amazing job of not constantly quitting and starting over, that they're still persevering with those things Mm -hmm. and finding ways to find fulfillment in the rest of their lives. And I think that that is almost a more, that's almost a more interesting thing for me than the person who went headfirst and dove in and ignored all other outside stimuli and just did that one thing because it just seems more realistic to be like, well, there's all these things I want to do, but I either am going to have a terrible scattered resume where I've quit my job every three months when I realized that what I actually like doing is baking. Mm -hmm. And then again, when I just want to be a rock collector that we all have these curiosities And it's about finding that balance and that through line to stick with something while letting that channel into other ways Mm -hmm. that I I think is very fascinating. And I Mm -hmm. haven't actually thought about it that much until I'm just talking at, at you like this is a revolution. No, no, no. I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to everything you're saying and my internal monologue is like, yes, this is a sign of the times that we're in a place where it feels for for twofold like in one way we have so much more freedom our generations have so much more freedom to explore those things and there are fewer expectations and there's also frankly less of a feeling that a career is going to make you any money anyway Mm -hmm. like there's so few things that feel dependable to us that you know for older generations to sit to kind of tisk and say like no one has any motivation anymore no one has any call to action anymore it's like well let's put it all into context you know isn't it kind of wonderful that we are given that we that we have the opportunity to, to explore that restlessness and also is it not our fault because if we can't feel secure about going in and getting a job in something unless it's one of three things mm-hmm. you know then what good is it to be right. like i'm only this and i'll only ever be this and that's i have to see you know with tunnel vision 
I said tunnel vision like I was European. <laughs> like with tunnel vision. With tunnel vision. You know what I mean? Um, I've got to get into this mash game, but I'm, I, uh, I'm very excited to start with this first category because, you, because it's what we've been talking about, which is in this fictitious mash world, Ooh, uh, great. you, you, you have, an, there's three, you're going to list three other careers that, um, you know, zero, like there's zero, uh, negative kind of side to it in okay. this world of ours. So, because there are so many things I'm like, I think I'd like to do this, oh, but then I'd have to blank. So remove the, then I'd have to blank and right. just give me three uh, alternate universe careers. Okay. Okay. So for, for anyone who doesn't know my career right now, I actually work. My day job is in digital marketing for, um, legendary pictures. And then on the side I do hosting and in more improvisational stuff and streaming. So if I wasn't doing those things, three careers that I would love to do, uh, one, uh, college professor, mm-hmm. I think that would be great. Um, acting, mm-hmm. put that, sorry, mom. <laughs> and three, uh, three, um, uh, I want to say interior designer, but I more like production designer. Uh-huh. So let's say production designer or art director or something like that. Absolutely. Some kind of art thing. Absolutely. Love it. Um, great, great, great. Okay, now give me three, uh, three real life places uh, in the world that you it would be great to have a vacation home. Oh, oh my gosh, easy London, mm-hmm. um, San Francisco, and let's say New Orleans. Great. Okay, then the next one is three places that are not real. It can be like the world of a video game or a movie or a book um, that you can dive into that are a real world for your practical purposes where you get to kind of interact with the characters and okay. just sort of be in and get it all over you for however long you like. Um, let's say uh, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Couldn't agree more. It's great. Um, is it wrong that so much of the desire for me is to be in Diagon Alley and like eat a lot of really special magical candy? Oh my God. I just want to be there so bad. <laughs> I cannot. Universal Studios needs to make that place faster for us. Yeah, I know. And, it, it but there, and there is one already in Florida. There's Are one already one in Florida here? and they're building one here and they're no? building one yeah. here. I, I haven't been to be the one in Florida, have you? No. Why I've haven't we been there? To. I've always What's wrong with go. us? There's a lot clearly wrong because that's something that should be like top of the bucket list. I know. I don't understand why I haven't been there. I've been to places I'm shocked I've been to and not been to Harry Potter land. Yeah. There's some places that I think are so important that you just can't get there. We need like a pilgrimage, I think, you and me. I think so. Um, I would love that. Uh, okay. Love uh, it. Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Um, let's say... Um, um, I really want to live in Brian Fuller's Hannibal. Okay. I don't know. It's certainly beautiful. It's just really beautiful. Do you want to have your whole dark? life accompanied by like, like weird drum beats that don't really, and like a lot of rattling castanets or maracas and just, a lot of rattlesnakes in that world. Yeah. Just a lot the, of audio just the idea that like people make totem poles out of bodies. Like that's just bizarre. <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's, it's dark strange. and awful but it's also a world that i think that would be interesting to live in and then let's say um for my third one um oh let's say pacific rim okay because i'm always interested in now that i'm talking about hannibals yeah i'm really obsessed with hannibal chow in pacific rim and that like cult of the kaiju and and Mm -hmm. that is 
And yeah. I, I, I really like teased out the most interesting thing about that movie. And yeah. aside from those monsters, which always like how I'm sure I've said this before, but like how awesome, even if, cause not necessarily his like script writing is not always my favorite thing, but Guillermo del Toro to have, to have been in a world of art and entertainment where it feels like every monster has already been explored to create your own right type where you can just look at something and go like, Oh, that's a Guillermo del Toro monster. Right. What an achievement. I know it's crazy. He started a Twitter. Um, I got to, I, I got to help them set it up a little bit, which was like <laughs> hashtag life goal. Whatever. Uh-huh. I never, I never say that, but uh-huh. it, 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 it exists it for a reason. Yeah. Um, and his, his Twitter is just those things. He's like, I gotta get on that immediately. Every day he has something where he does this, he does, he curates series on his Twitter where one of them is writing a wrong, where he talks about underappreciated films. Another one is he, he tweets out a Gothic romance every day now that people should, should read. And then he has, um, images of, unknown interest or something where he just like has like almost tbts but he's turned it into this other thing where he's like images of unknown interest and certainty and i'm like oh my god the way you twitter is also weird and wonderful it's great um and a lot of the things he tweets out are pictures of painters and cartoonists and illustrators and the monsters that they made, like he tweeted out this picture of the woman who is known for making like the Cupid dolls. Uh-huh. And he was like, she's known for the Cupid dolls, but here are her monsters. God, and I was like, so this amazing. is so cool. Yeah. So I would love to live in one of those worlds because when I, when I first went to see Pacific Rim, I thought it was going to be Michael Bay monsters sure. fighting sure. robots. And I was like, Oh, whatever. But it's so dark and weird and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Love it. Love it. Love it. And love it. Uh, uh, this feels like a good next uh, segue based on what we just talked about. Three people um, living or dead uh, in whatever genre of life you choose that are sort of your buddy. So you could just like, and then I had lunch with Guillermo yesterday. Oh my God. Living Guillermo. Put, please put Guillermo That's on there. That's what led me to this question. That is, th- I someday mm-hmm. I will get to know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds so creepy. Let's put, I feel that way about Emma Thompson. Everyone knows knows that oh. it's uber creepy and the closer i get to thinking that might happen the more ashamed i am of how vocal i've been about it because i'm really not gonna be able to back <laughs> off of it i'm gonna be like i know now we're friends and you see that i'm not crazy please don't ever listen to any of my old podcasts ever right. or you or we'll never get over this hump <laughs> much like the dave Gould the brian henson thing we'll yeah. never get over the idea that i idolized you yeah even though i know you're a regular person I'm living in a world where uh, that's been done to me. And then someone meets me and is like, Oh, she's just normal. Yeah. Which I embrace. That's the whole point of the podcast is like, Hey, look how fucked up we all are. Mm-hmm. Isn't it adorable? But, uh, but yeah, that's a hard one to back off of. Yeah. Having said that, I know you and Guillermo are going to be buddies. So don't worry about that. We have to, let's put Brian Henson on there so we can yep. come full circle. Yep. 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 And uh, let's put Anna Kendrick because everyone tells me that I should follow her on Twitter because I would find her humorous. So I think we would probably be great friends as well. There you go. I love that you don't, you haven't, but you just know there's something good about that. Yeah. But keep it that way. Then you will be like, and by the way, I don't follow you on Twitter, but I will buy you coffee. Yeah. It's great. I uh, respect you as a human, not as a Buzzfeed article. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. Um, okay. Next category is three, uh, foods that have absolutely no physical ramifications of any kind, um, that you can have at the snap of a finger. It could be as specific as one thing you had somewhere once 
they've never had again or could be like i always want cake or i always want Mm -hmm. pizza or whatever i'm a simple person so i'm going to say the perfect cheese sandwich okay which is very specific but very simple to make i would eat it every day if i could great um i'm gonna say a half-baked ice cream oh great and which i was eating last night for dinner so delicious so good i had it with lunchables pizza i'm clearly an adult lunchables has pizza yeah lunchables pizzas they're they're so great i love them everyone's like poo-pooing on lunchables and i'm like no guys lunchables pizza is wonderful Uh because it's a ritual and a meal (laughs) it's good great we need ritual in these days of ours um last thing i would say is um um what angel hair pasta great oh so good god it's been a long time since i had angel hair that i don't know that there's a good gluten-free angel hair um i don't i doubt it i don't think that there is that's one that they have definitely not gotten down you just can't try to find substitutes for like whenever i would do like a vegan thing i would specifically try not to eat like the this tastes just like American cheese yeah. it does not. Yes, don't you have to. You lie. can't go into it no, thinking like I'm, I found my replacement. I'll never know the difference. Yeah, You're you can't right. replace some things. Absolutely right. Um, okay, then this is all due respect to your wonderful husband. Uh, three okay. people who let's get rid of you. Let's just get rid. Let's ask them immediately. Uh, alternate universe, sexy times, companion, husband, whatever. Um, brief or long term, but three uh, dudes you would want to spend some time with. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, real or alternate universe? Is that what you sure, said? Sure, real. real or alternate universe. No, I'll take it. If you have a character from something that you love, well, go I mean, for it. I, I'm sure I do, but okay. Um. Oh, God, this is really hard. I don't know why. It's probably because there's so many people that I'm like, I would love to be with you, but uh-huh. I haven't really thought about it that much. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going to say Benedict Cumberbatch because Tumblr must, sure. like, Tumblr must be onto something. Yeah. Um, and I imagine he'd be slightly condescending to me, which I but like, well, then I think you wouldn't I be would the boss. Like. You certainly wouldn't be the boss with the version of Benedict Cumberbatch that we're all thinking about, which almost exclusively is Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Because if you see some of the other stuff you've done, you're like, oh, he's just an adorable, weird looking, handsome man. Yeah. But handsome when you get that iconic way. character, you're, yeah. you're good to go. We're definitely talking about Sherlock yeah. here, but you know, normal Benedict will do. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to say um, someone, okay, this is not actually a, this is not a person, someone who it has absolutely no reference point for any of the like Hollywood, LA, YouTube, new media, social media mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a farmer somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Adorable. I really get it. Just having a conversation about, anything that is not relevant mm-hmm. i love it i would just love to talk to someone about plaid yes uh i love that i have some thoughts on that but i'm not gonna i'll tell you offline uh, okay uh and then yeah last final one. final one um oh my god i don't i don't know what to choose for this one i'm just gonna say kermit the frog great well sounds like he's single I know um, he is. It's so mm, sad. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Uh, next, uh, second to last category is um, three skills that you wake up with as magical or as like grounded as you want. Uh, list three that you would want to wake up with that you've sort of downloaded matrix style tomorrow. Like, oh, I speak this language or all languages or Ooh, okay. Like that. Um, I have read and remember 
every every classical book. Great. Just every classic book. Wow, that's great. I know. That's you can great. Quote it out. Um two, I would like to be better at geometry because I'm really bad at it and it's kind of shameful. Now, how does that come into play in your life? Although I'm looking at the this geometric necklace that you're wearing and that suddenly it feels very pertinent, but well, just with crafting and things like that, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. always ends up involving geometry yeah. in some sort, like whether it's just cutting in a straight line, which mm-hmm. I also can't do, mm-hmm. or if it's like patterning something out and then making it and realizing that I was not actually making triangles like I thought I was. Yeah. I was making some kind of weird hexagon thing. Yeah. So just what do you like to make? What do you like spatial. Your um, different stuff, just like lots of different stuff, whether it's like costumes or just projects for home or, um, just little nonsense tchotchkes that yeah. none of my friends want that I'm like, here, right. I made we this are, for you. And no like, wonder, Ugh. like, this is one of those podcast episodes where like, as more and more unfolds, I'm like, well, that's why I immediately was like, I know you because yeah. we can do a lot of stuff together. Uh, great, great, great geometry. Listen, these are great. Uh, I'm very impressed by the two things you picked so far. What's your and third one? Three. I would like to talk to animals. Um, so that you would know that the dogs desperately want to come inside right mm-hmm. now. Uh, I would like that too. Um, side note on this, and I could talk about this forever, but won't, uh, I usually podcast in that room. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I am not podcasting in that room is that I have a mouse. (gasps) So I have, I'm hoping that he will respond. He or she will respond to the no kill green. I just Instagrammed it and tweeted it today. Uh, uh, humane mouse. It's like a house. I mean, I'll show you if you want to see, yeah, Um, I can show you the real thing, but but uh, the dogs are, I don't have like terriers, so they're very interested, but mm-hmm. I don't know what, especially my husky, I don't know what she would do. Right. With I think us. huskies eat mice maybe in the Arctic. Yeah. But um, she's really intent. I mean, she, I know where exactly where it is. It's living in my couch mm-hmm. because of where she sort of like zeroes in and just will just not move for hours at a time. Yeah. But obviously, I don't want her to kill it. I don't know if that's obvious. I love mice, so I sure. don't want her to kill it. I had pet mice when I was a kid. I love mice. So there's a lot of drama in that room right now, up to and including um, things that the mouse has chewed that mm-hmm. I can't even be mad about because it's so funny. I'll give you a little tour. Yes. I'll give you the mouse tour when we're done. Um, and you can tell me what the mouse is thinking, depending on whether you end up with this. It's probably Mrs. Brisby in there. So. You know what I mean? Some kind of secretive name thing where she thinks her. she's rescuing oh, someone. God, she's so smart. Why is she so smart? Um, and then third one is... is, 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 is uh, how about, you know what? Let's go time travel. Let's say uh, three places you can go that you're very safe. Um, there's no, you know, again, you're not going to be killed if you want to visit this place that's like very destructive and strange just to have seen it. Um, you're, it's good, but you can definitely go there for as little awesome. or as long as you want. Um, Age of Enlightenment. I'm right. obsessed with the late 1700s. Okay. It's my favorite time period. Yeah. Um, I would like to go back to, I'd like to go back to the very beginning of the evolution of man where, where things were happening. You're like, is it ritual or did they just accidentally bury this? I'd like to hang out with some Neanderthals. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then thirdly, I want to go super far into the future, far enough that everyone that I know or care about is long gone. Um, and ideally to another planet. I love it. That's great. Um, side note, I sometimes, I, I become obsessive about like a, a single thing about evolution and of the evolution of mankind, humankind, I guess I should say. Um, 
And the one that I was obsessing over recently when I was in Hawaii was like how, when did someone figure out they could eat crab? <laughs> because there had to have been fire, yeah. right? Because you don't, if you, if you open it raw, it's just like a bunch of goo right. that you have to cook. So I'm so curious, like, did they try, were they eating it even though it was goo or like how, I, for some reason I can hold on to the idea of the discovery of fire in a more direct way. But yeah. the idea of like figuring out a food that can only be eaten cooked. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Like, so I guess I. we'll try this again, everybody. Now that we have this new thing. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No. It's, so not, it's such a small single thing of no, all of the things. It's but for so some reason true, it's though. like nagging at me. It's like bothering me. I do that too. I'm like, why do we decide that this is what we want to eat? The other thing that I get weirdly obsessed about in a way that I normally can't talk to people about, but I'll go ahead and say it is I was like, why do people start kissing each other? Like who was it that Listen, was like, I know I don't the difference between instinct and experimentation and discovery is mind blowing. And right. I guess you were an anthropology major, so it makes sense. You'd be fascinated by that stuff. But I, I mean, I really am too. Like the idea that the, all the things that had to be tried mm-hmm. to get to the point that we know as much as we know is just preposterous like can you it almost becomes comical to think of all of the ways that cavemen were like trying to make things or or like their what led to kissing and all of the bad things that they were like this is not good (laughs) we're gonna put it into our subconscious so our ancestors know that this is bad this is not how you kiss someone yeah or this is not what crab is too many people have died and we've discovered it and And it almost becomes funny i couldn't agree more and then the other one that I was like, I really got into a, a tizzy about was was just language. Just the idea that you had, like, the, I shouldn't say that, written language. Yeah. The idea that you have, like, you just have sort of hieroglyphics or what have you. You have, like, things, symbols that just represent, this. like, this is my picture of a bull. Yeah. The fact that then you have a picture of a bull and you have... You, you've come to the place where you have a word that means bull. It's like I can wrap my head around both of those. Mm-hmm. But the process of writing a word, like coming up with an alphabet and like this sound looks like this. Right. Uh, I, I'm so, I don't know what to say. I know. I can't even imagine it. People were so smart and we don't give them enough credit for it. That's right. And they were so, they were just hard times. Oh my God, such hard times. Well, you might go back and visit some of these hard times. That's hard to say. Um, okay, so for this MASH game, obviously to give you your uh, what you got from each category, I just need you to tell me uh, when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pause this, do a little calculating. No geometry involved. Okay. And reveal your 100% guaranteed mesh feature. <sighs> um, I, this is... Uh, I, you're going to be really happy with these results. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes, like, when I do this, you know, I, I sort of have a sense of what someone really wanted. And I feel like they get all of their last choices. <laughs> and, and it depends on the person because that doesn't necessarily mean the first thing you list. Some people warm up into it and the third right. one is the one they really wanted. So there's no sort of rhyme or reason to it. Totally. Also, sometimes I screw up and I just have to believe it's the universe guiding me to the right answer. Right. Because if I'm like, I lost track. Well, I guess I'll start over. But listen. <laughs> uh, and this all, yeah, this is all great. Um, number one. I'm very excited that you get to go back and hang out with some Neanderthals, <gasps> Neanderthals, uh, et cetera. We get to find out about the crabs. So many questions I need to send you back with. Please. So many questions. Uh, while you're there um, and you're having this experience with this um, version of humanity, know that you can also talk to the animals. Oh. <gasps> 
So that just opens up a whole other thing in addition to you being able to talk to animals in today's life. This is so wonderful. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I'm just getting started. You have an alternate universe career as an artist slash production designer slash interior designer. Oh my God. I always, um, I, my house will be so much better. Oh, your mansion in London? <gasps> no! Yeah. yeah. No! Yeah. Where you have an infinite supply of the perfect cheese sandwich. Oh my God. Literally, I can't eat that every day. That you share either on your picnic with your best friend Guillermo del Toro to his world of Pacific Rim or (laughs) with your alternate universe husband Benedict Cumberbatch oh my god Benedict is gonna be so happy that he gets to stay in England yeah this is like mmm this is some good got some good mojo for this mash game right here this is great I'm gonna exciting I'm gonna save this Uh, and frame it I don't think I've ever even given I don't even think I've given that to anyone before I've never been like why don't you take this and frame it why don't you you really end it up and look at it every day just cherish it just cherish it if you would have a bra made that has a little folder pocket for that to sit in I think that's probably your best bet just warm my heart yeah this is so wonderful (laughs) well I like to leave on a positive yeah um Thank you so much for doing this. Will you please tell uh, my fine listeners, uh, those of them who have not come to this because of you, but have come to it because of me? Oh. I don't know. That's the sentence I started out not knowing the ending of, and I'm ashamed <laughs> of the ending. Uh, where can people find you? So uh, you can find me on the internet. Uh, my name is Jessica Marzen, but but all of my internet stuff is Jessica Marzipan because it's easier to spell and remember. <laughs> That's what people always remember anyway. Yeah. Sure. So uh, find me on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and I also have my own Twitch channel, all Jessica Marzipan, easy to remember. Great. Perfect. 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 Um, and I wish that I could remember the couple of people that, uh, actually said you know who i think you would love and who you should podcast is jessica but thank you guys thank you so uh, much you guys we were dead on this was dead wonderful. on this was um, great uh, and uh it'll be f- so fun to work on something else together so we'll have to have a conversation right Please. just let's even if yeah. we're just making crafts yes. um okay guys uh uh i bid you adieu oh my this is my last podcast episode ever <laughs> you know what i'll talk to you next time on the podcast As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.